Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. You are in the right place. Dear Rochester, retire well. Now, host David Pulsini of Six Point Financial has been mulling over a few topics about retirement. And this episode, he plans to focus on pensions and how to take them in a way that actually benefits you. I'm Patrice Sakora. Uh, David, I'm sorry, but there is a word I just used that I believe is no longer active in our language. Pension. Who has a pension anymore? How does it differ from a, a 401k or 403b? But who has a pension? That's a great question, Patrice. Um, most of the pensions that I am talking about are pensions that we would call, quote, old pensions. And the reason for that is companies, it's extremely expensive, as you know, for companies. And it's a lot like Social Security, which we've talked about. When companies originally set up pensions, they put in a lot of money, which mm -hmm. is invested for the people. But if there's some payout at the end, if, if you could retire at 55 years old and get $6,000 a month, for example, and now, and back then the life expectancy might've been 70 and now it's 82 times hundreds of thousands of people, basically they're running out of money and they figured that out. So yeah, pension is probably, it's an old word now, but it's going to get even older. And another, <laughs> another reason is, you know, people switch jobs so much, they don't get the time in at one place as typical younger employees will switch from one company to another, to another for the most part, the days of working at one place for 30 or 40 years are almost over. Now, that's a good point to make. A pension really mm -hmm. relies on time you've been with a company. And that's quite different from a 401k or 403b. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So a 401k or 403b is a, an employee contribution. So you pick a number out of your paycheck, it goes into your 401k or 403b. And when you leave, you transfer that to an IRA or your new company. A pension which we'll, I want to talk about this in a little bit in a little more detail is based on a couple of factors. And one of them is definitely time in. So if the time that you, if you don't get the time in, the pension is going to be either non-existent or just very small. But I want to jump into this. The, the, the pension itself is, it's one of the biggest decisions that people have to make. And one of the biggest decisions is how are they going to take the pension, which is the point of this episode, because we get this question all of the time. And it's a huge decision. It's irrevocable and it should not be taken lightly. And I can't stress that enough, should not be taken lightly. What I mean by that is we should not be getting right to retirement and then deciding on how we're going to take our pension. Gotcha. So what would the options be? So there are typically a number of options and what I normally see, just so you know, and this is going to sound familiar to a lot of the listeners, is this should not be decided because I, I'm telling you, I get this all the time, quote, this is what my friend did, or this is what my coworker told me to do. It happens all the time. So it's, it should be a completely personal decision based on the circumstances and your needs, not based on what somebody else did. And there are little nuances to, to many pensions. So I, take a quick step back. Again, you mentioned this a little bit, but what is a pension? It's a, 
It's not a 401k or 403b. It is a retirement plan that requires an employer to make contributions to a large pool of funds set aside for the employees or the workers' future benefit. And that pool of funds is invested on the employee's behalf and the earnings and the investments generate income to that employee upon retirement. So the money is invested, which we'll come back to in a little Mm -hmm. bit. But just think of it as a huge pool of money, a large pool of money that's invested and then it pays you when you retire. And how you get it is kind of what you just asked Patrice, like how do they figure out how much to pay you? And it's typically calculated on a couple of things. And it's going to be different based on where you work and could even be different, by the way, depending on when you started in the pension. So Good point. Like, Good point. Yeah. So it's, and again, I get this all the time. My friend did this. Well, your friend may have started in 1983 when you started in 1996. Mm-hmm. Could be totally different rules based on where you're working. So the, the point of that is just whatever the pension is, just know the rules. And I'll get back to that. But many of our listeners on, on this podcast are healthcare professionals locally. And we get a lot of questions about the Rochester, we'll call it the old Rochester general plan. And we have a lot of questions about the New York state pension. And typically, and this will resonate with the people that understand this there, if they're a tier four employee, that's one that we get questions about. So I'll get into that a little bit, but two totally different employers, right? New York state and Rochester general, but the the pensions are calculated very similarly. And I'm not saying the end result is the same, but the way they are calculated is similar. And it's usually based on two things. First, is your final average salary or final average compensation. So usually the employer will take the highest three years of what you made or the highest five out of the last 10 or something like that and take an average of those numbers. Mm-hmm. So this is why you typically see in a workplace where uh, the people that are about to retire are like doing all the extra jobs and working yeah. overtime and bumping it up. And all of a sudden you have a art teacher of 43 years coaching the wrestling team or something. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's why, because they're trying to bump up their final average salary, which makes complete sense. And by the way, if you could take advantage of that, I would say we, we tell our clients, if you can take something extra on, let's do it. Because if you're going to make extra money toward the end of your career, it's going to help you forever. Even if it's overtime. Yeah. and, And now I'll say this for the two pensions I mentioned overtime, quote, overtime will count toward your final average salary. And some pensions, overtime does not count. Ah, so, okay. So again, there are certain things that count, but this is why if, if you're meeting with a financial advisor, and I've mentioned this so many times, and they have your booklet or they know your pension inside and out. Like we know the Rochester General Pension. We know the New York State Pension. I could whip that off right now. But if we have, a, an, I'll say an obscure employer from Arizona or something, Right. We want to look into that pension to make sure that our clients get the most out of it. And that's what any, any financial advisor should be doing. So they're going to take your final average salary and typically they're going to multiply it by some percentage based on how long you have been at that employer, which we mentioned earlier. So, and they'll call it service credits or service years or something like that. So they'll take the final average salary and the number of service credits. And there are very important milestones in almost every pension that people do not want to miss. And I'm going to get into some mistakes in a little bit that I, you'll find shocking. And we just want to avoid those mistakes, but I can't stress that enough. We have come across people that have left just months too soon or could have waited to take a benefit and a number of other things 
And because they did not, it ended up costing them I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we need to be very aware of the milestones and whatever pension we're talking about. Give so, me an example. So um, I'll, I'll skip ahead to one of the mistakes because I think it'll, it'll prove this. All We've right. had people that um, an easy mistake is I'm just done. I'm done. I want to retire. This is my last year. I don't care anymore. And you'll laugh. And I, I, it's easy for me to say over a podcast, I would never say this to somebody's face, but it's like, you need to suck it up for 10 months and work, <laughs> continue to work. Because if you work from, in, again, New York state pension, just for example, if you work for 19 years to 20 years, every year is credited at a higher percentage. And there is no reduction if you're over 62 years old. So an easy example of this would be if you retire at 61, this, this was a real person, they retired at 61 with a pension of 22,000. If they would have just worked until they were 62 and got that extra year in, it might have been like 32,000 every oh. year forever. Oh, so, wow. And that's, that's, and that's why I say, I mean, it's easy for me to say behind a microphone, right? In the comfort of my podcast, but the, <laughs> you need to suck it up and, and figure it out and make sure you get to the milestone. And by the way, to be fair, many people don't even know that there are milestones because and that's they, why you need a financial advisor. Yeah. Or somebody that knows that because in, in little tricks and there's always something, and you know, this in financial planning, there's always some little loophole, or if you do this, or maybe we do that, it can increase the pension. And the thing about the pension, we mentioned this is it's going to last forever. Mm -hmm. And I'll get into that in a minute, but just, just so the listeners know, we have detailed videos because I don't want to get into this will be so boring over a podcast. I don't want to do this to people. <laughs> Very detailed videos on the pension for both New York state and the Rochester regional pension that was available. And we'll put that in the show notes, but it's, mm -hmm. there may be five to seven minutes on exactly how it's calculated and how to, and, and some recommendations for people. So we'll put that out there. And if, um, if they don't get to the show notes and they just want to shoot us an email, we can do that too. And I'll, we'll talk about that at the end. Right. How does a pension fit into retirement differently from something like a 401k? So the pension is going to pay you either a monthly benefit or a lump sum. Some have lump sums, some do not, which we will definitely get into that because I have more questions on that than anything else. Mm -hmm. The 401k or 403b, although you could in many cases turn it into a pension, is more of like, I would consider it like liquid money. Let's, let's defer it. Let's take it when we need it. The pension is you retire and you start getting a paycheck. No choice. Typically. The, and the choice is, and this is what we'll get into, is which option do we take for the pension? And also, um, or do we just take it out as a lump sum and transfer it to an IRA? Mm -hmm. So again, backing up, after we meet the milestones and take care of that end of it and make sure that we understand what's happening, we, and the goal is to get the most income from the pension that we can. And it seems obvious, but there are things that people, they don't plan for it until it's too late. So most pensions, for example, including the two that I mentioned, have some sort of benefit that can go to a beneficiary. So many people throughout their career will just look at the maximum pension benefit. And if you remember, we talked about this on the Social Security um, series or podcast, they put some number on the front of the statement and that's what people think they're going to get. Right. But if you don't dig into it, you won't see that there are other options. So most people will just look at the maximum pension and they'll plan on that. And again, what they did not understand, or a lot of people don't understand is if you want to leave something to a beneficiary, 
that maximum benefit is not what you get. So they will take some sort of reduced benefit. Oh. So if, yeah, again, it, it, it'll, it'll offer other options that involve reduction while you're alive. But if you want to pay a beneficiary, there will be some sort of reduction. So like, I'll give you an example of that. If, you're, if your maximum pension is $5,000 per month, so the maximum benefit is 5,000 per month and you pass away, your beneficiary gets zero. So if you were to take it and we'll call it a survivor option, mm-hmm. some sort of survivor option, and maybe now you get $4,600 per month while you were alive. But if you pass away, your beneficiary might get $2,300 if you die. So basically what you're doing there, Patrice, is you're paying $400 a month for some sort of insurance policy to pay your beneficiary $2,300 a month, right? So what we want to do is make sure that each person is taking the right option that is correct for them. And there are typically a few of those options to choose from. It's not usually either the maximum or one benefit. There's there are usually a number of combinations. And here's the thing. Once you choose an option, that's you, it. you can't change it. Aye. So, I mean, usually there might be like a 30 day window at right afterward, but normally you, can, you can't change it at all. So most people know that some sort of options might exist, but I'm also surprised that they have no idea how to choose an option. Or I'm telling you, we get so many people that I'm retiring in July on July 15th and on July 13th, they're saying, Oh, I didn't know there was a pension option. I didn't know how to pick. So we want to get ahead of that by a number of years if we can and and plan for it. So, um, and I say this all, all to answer the question of how does this fit into the retirement picture? How is it different? And the answer is once again, it, I keep saying this, it depends on what you need. If your spouse would be totally fine without you, should say financially they would be (laughs) financially i'll say that's so i knew you were going to say something about that (laughs) am i that obvious (laughs) if your spouse is going to be fine financially without you and we do run into this you would most likely take the maximum benefit because why take a reduction if your spouse is going to be fine if they need some sort of benefit you want to consider taking a reduction while you're alive and then leaving something behind so we get the question, how, how can I do both? Which it's extremely oh. difficult. I know, <laughs> obviously, right? People ask for everything. And uh, so one way to, to potentially have the best of both worlds is to take the maximum benefit. So I'll go back to the $5,000. Right. And then you just buy a private life insurance policy. In my example, if there was a difference of $400, remember 5,000 is the max. Mm-hmm. And then if you take a reduction, I said 4,600. So there's $400 that we have there if it makes sense to take some of that 400 and buy a life insurance policy, and then you take the maximum benefit, your beneficiary is basically covered on both sides, right? So while you're alive, you get the most. And if you pass away, they get the life insurance policy tax-free. So that just, there are some downfalls to that. You have to be insurable. So many times, and the other thing people will do, Patrice, is we'll get toward the end of the career and headed toward retirement. And someone will say, you know what? Let's just do a 10-year term policy or a 15-year term or 20-year term. I'm comfortable with that. I'll take my maximum benefit. And after 20 years, they can figure it out <laughs> if, if my life insurance <laughs> runs out. So there are all sorts of combinations. And this is the one thing I'll say is it always makes sense just to run the numbers. Mm-hmm. So which benefit should we take? Why? And then is it less expensive to get private life insurance policy or take a reduction? And that's, that's just black and white. 
All right. So so basically here you're talking, say, a 401k is a limited number. It's a finite amount of money, whereas a pension can go on and on and on. But you've got to be very careful on how you're going to disperse that money. You're going to take the, the beneficiary over here and take a little bit less or take it all and maybe buy the insurance policy. Am I following you? Yeah. Yeah. And again, if your spouse is completely fine without you, you don't right. need the insurance either. So, right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I was just going to, I was going to jump into some mistakes because I think these are interesting and these are real life examples of what I have seen just being in our business for almost 20 years. And besides the general, and I'm not picking on anybody, lack of planning on how to take the pension. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the first mistake I saw was about 10 years ago. And I met with somebody after they had already done this and they put their son on as the beneficiary of their pension. So why is that a big deal? If people would ask that the benefit, if the pension allows this, by the way, calculates the age of the beneficiary to figure out how much they're going to pay you. Oh, so, oh. By the way, this can also apply to a spouse. So we've had people that a, a gentleman was 65 and his spouse was 45. It's a big age difference. And if they're going to calculate based on the spouse's life expectancy, she's supposed to live a lot, a lot longer, right? So they're going to pay you less. So in this case, to give you a real number, by the way, if you have a beneficiary, again, that's, that's younger and you want to leave it to them, there's going to, going to be a huge reduction. Mm -hmm. So we really, really do not want to do that unless there's some emergency. Again, there's always some case. If somebody's very ill, you would do this. And, but in this case, the pension maximum that this person was going to get was 62000 So she was retiring. She could have taken a benefit of 62000 Instead, she put her son on as the beneficiary. So when she passed away, her, her son would then get a benefit. And she ended up getting 42000 a year for the rest of her life. That's a big difference. $20,000 a year. It's yeah. crazy. And there's nothing we could do about it to change it after we met. But if you go back to what I mentioned earlier, not that I would do this, but with $20,000, think of the life insurance benefit she could have left to her son. I mean, I'm, I, she might get a $3 million benefit. And by the way, she's still alive. So she's for 10 years given up $200,000 so far. Oh, that hurts. And, and it's going to keep going. And hopefully she's around for a very long time. But you can see how this was just a big, very easy financial mistake to fix. And, and it doesn't happen with just kids. It can happen with spouses and other things. So my point of this one is just when you're picking the beneficiary, if you're going to leave something behind, again, just run the numbers to see what makes sense. So, and honestly, whoever allowed it to happen, they should be in some sort of trouble. But anyway. Um, <laughs> well, what about a lump sum? Yeah, the, the, the lump sum option is, especially right now, very attractive. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Many times it does make sense. So what I mean by a lump sum is if, if your plan allows a lump sum, so let's say they're going to pay you $5,000 a month, or you could take $1.2 million in a lump sum. Mm -hmm. So right now I, I have a lot of people that are just saying, you know what? I'm worried about the pension. I'm worried it's going to run out of money. I'm worried that the company, not, I'm not picking on any companies, but I just hear this from employees. The company doesn't know what they're doing. I don't know how they're managing the money. I'd rather have it in my control. So many times a lump sum can make sense. And if this is an option, you can transfer it. I, I get this question a lot. 
to an IRA with no tax penalties or anything else. So my 1.1 million or 1.2 million, you could transfer that lump sum right to an IRA. And now it's yours in your name and you can invest it any way you want to. So hmm. remember when you get your pension paycheck, if they pay you monthly, you're, you're going to pay taxes on that. And it's the same thing with the IRA. Right. When you take money out of the IRA, that is when you pay taxes. So I, by the way, I could talk about lump sums for an hour just on <laughs> considerations on this, but I'll tell you the reasons to take a lump sum would include things like full control and flexibility, right? So you own the money 100%. It is yours. You are now separated from the organization. And now you have, I'll just use the $1.1 million in an IRA. So you choose the investments and it can be taken mm -hmm. care of for you. The employer no longer quote owns the money. So Again, many people take comfort in knowing that it is theirs and it's not right. the employer's anymore. So, and, and I mentioned flexibility. And another point on this is you can name, just because we've been talking about this a lot, other people as beneficiaries on your IRA lump sum. True. So if you move it to an IRA, you don't have to take, there, there are no reductions or anything like that unless you turn it into an annuity, which is for a different day. But if you took it as an IRA, you can put anybody you want as a beneficiary on there and basically for legacy planning, many times it makes sense to do the lump sum because think of it this way, Patrice, if, if I took a pension and I took a survivor benefit and my wife was my beneficiary, I pass away. She then passes away a few years later. No one else is getting any of that money. But if I had $1.1 million invested for me and it's growing and my wife is a beneficiary, but then she passes away years later, then our kids would get whatever is left. So that's helpful. And then one, one big thing that we hear right now is many people are concerned with inflation or the cost of things going up. And, right. and we know this, the government's printing money and minimum wage is likely going up. And when these things happen, it's just economics. Typically inflation will go up. The cost of things goes up in a pension you typically do not get a high cost of living adjustment or it doesn't keep up with inflation. And I have a great example. I have a family member who was getting $1,800 a month in 1990. And it was awesome. They, <laughs> they thought they were <laughs> very wealthy from their pension in 1990. I can tell you today, the, the pension benefit, and I, I looked this up, was, is $1,982. Wow. So $1,800 in 1990 is- Ain't the same today. Not even close. So typical pensions do not keep up with the cost of living, but the IRA, if you were to transfer it as a lump sum, typically can, or you can invest it in a way that does. That's what I was going to try and ask a little earlier. What What is an average pension investment fund getting in, when it comes to returns these days? Well, the pension funds are, in, you know, when they're all gets, invested. Yeah, it gets, it, it, it gets tricky. So if, if, a pension is invested. Remember that there's a large pool of money. So right. if the employer is controlling it. It's actually a lot like if you just look at your own portfolio, and I don't like to use the word portfolio, but like the, look at your own pie chart of investments. The pensions do the same thing. Right. So, so they invest it. They have a board that oversees. They see what's going on. So, and they're constantly monitoring and they choose fund managers and they have to keep up on and they have to stay Stay with it. So some years are great for pensions and some years are not right. great for pensions. And it's, it can go with the markets and other things. The point is that they're diversified. They do a good job typically of managing it. Once 
you move your money out of there, it is then invested any way you want it to. So if you're a conservative person, you can invest it conservatively. If you're aggressive, you can invest it aggressively. And that the, the amount of interest that you're going to earn is completely dependent on how you're choosing to invest, just like the 401k or 403b. Mm-hmm. And only actually, because we've mentioned this a few times, most times what we see is if somebody has a 403b and a pension or a 401k and a pension, you transfer them into the same IRA. So everything is consolidated into one account for ease of maintenance and many other things that we won't get into now. But one of them is when you have to take money out at call it 72 years old or 73 years old, you, you want to have one account to monitor. You don't want 14 different retirement accounts. So you want to consolidate all of these things into one. Um, one last thing I want to mention before I forget on the, another reason to take a lump sum is that and this is very current interest rates are obviously very low right now. So how does this affect your pension and, and bear with me through this? It typically means that the lump sum they will give you has to be higher. So when interest rates are low, most likely they're going to have to give you a larger amount. And, and think about it this way. If a pension is going to pay you $5,000 per month or 60,000 per year and interest rates are 6%, which whatever, just, mm-hmm. We'll go with the math. You would need a lump sum of $1 million to generate 60,000 of interest, right? So 1 million, 6% is 60,000. But what if interest rates were 3%? Right. They now need to give you 2 million to generate the same 60,000. So this is not exactly how it works, but the concept makes sense. When interest rates are lower, they have to give you a larger lump sum to compensate for that. When interest rates are low, like I said, they will give you more money. And it's enough, that's why right now it's a great time. If, if you have the option to take a lump sum, it may make sense. And it doesn't always. And by the way, for every reason I said to take the lump sum, there's a reason not to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you could go against this completely. Now your investment risk. What if you live to 120 years old and you could have taken the pension and all these other things? So it's, again, it's worth exploring to go through this with an advisor. And I would say an advisor or advisory team that does this consistently and they know that pension inside and out, because I can almost guarantee you if somebody has done 500, they've worked with 500 clients that have retired from New York state and they've had a pension or they've had 500 clients that work with Rochester general and they've taken the pension, that advisor can help you because they've seen it. And hopefully they haven't made mistakes on it, but if they have, they've learned from it. It just goes back to working with a specialist in, in these areas. All right. A quick question. Yep. Companies that have pensions these days are, you know, moving away from them. New employees coming in, do they have the option for a pension or are they automatically shunted over to a 401k or 403b? So most of them are going to not have a pension. Right. Now, I say that, I, I say it slowly because if you were to start in most healthcare organizations right now, you're not going to have a pension. But if you start in New York state, just because I mentioned these two, you do still have a pension. Here's the difference though, Patrice, if you were a tier four person at, at a school, you paid 3% for 10 years into the pension and then it stopped. That's it. 3% pre-tax went in. That's all you put in. Now the employees typically have to pay their entire career on a sliding scale and paying more into it. Oh, all right. So at some point, it's either just going to go away or there's going to be like 
tier 46 or something <laughs> that, and it's like, you might as well just uh, put it in your own 403B or 401k. So they're slowly, in my opinion, going away as time goes on because people are living longer and they can't continue to pay out that money forever. Mm, true, true. All right, David, people listening have questions. I'm absolutely sure of that. How can they get in touch with you? So our website is www.sixpointsfp.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. And also my email address is dpulsini at sixpointsfp.com. And one thing I'll mention too is we finally got our, it's 2021, we finally got our Facebook page up and going. So if you can <laughs> like us on there, that we, we're posting all of our podcasts. We have a number of videos going up. And remember, if you want a video on the pension, just shoot me an email and I'll get you the video that details the New York State pension or the Rochester General pension that you might be a part of. All right. If you have a pension, do your research and talk to David and his people. David Pulsini of Six Point Financial. Subscribe to David's podcast, Dear Rochester, Retire Well, and you can get alerts to new episodes and share with friends because, boy, they will appreciate it. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester, Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.